Hi, and welcome to this week's Foundation Stage Forum podcast. Today, we're joined by Jordan Tully, who is the Head of Operations at Ashbourne Day Nursery. Hi, Jordan, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Can you start by telling us a bit about your journey in the early years and also about your current role? Yeah, so my journey into the early years isn't necessarily one that I thought was necessarily going to take place. I was um, lucky enough to do an early years apprenticeship and come into the sector that way. I really, for me, wasn't a what I would call a stereotypical book smart learner. So for me, an apprenticeship type way into the sector was fantastic. Um, I came to me um, and I was really surprised at actually the sort of avenues that that I went down with it. Like I was lucky enough to go and do some traveling and use it as a childcare entertainer and, and an au pair and things like that. Um, all of which then led into my current role, working my, my way up to nursery manager, area, area manager, and then head of operations for Ashbourne Day Nurseries. Brilliant. And what does that look like on a sort of day-to-day basis, the sort of head of operations? So I'm lucky enough to oversee the um, the early years and the operational aspects of the nurseries. So my role is making sure that the nurseries are operationally successful and achieving what we need to be to be sustainable, but then also aiming for outstanding and making sure that we're offering the highest quality care for all of the children that attend our settings. Okay, and how many nurseries do you have under your... Um... So at, at present, we have 29 nurseries. Okay, and is that an ever-growing chain then? Yeah, so we, we are ever-growing, but and it sounds really cheesy, but we like to call ourselves a group because of how we acquire nurseries. All of our nurseries are bespoke, and we try not to change too many things about them. We want to standardise them in regards to the fact that they're a brand and they fit into Ashbourne Day Nurseries, the group, but we don't want to take away their uniqueness and the fact that they are bespoke individual settings. So we have a, a, a really vast range of nurseries from a completely dedicated under twos baby nursery to term time only preschools then seven thirty six thirty all year round day nurseries and you you told us about your journey briefly there about sort of starting as an apprentice do you does do those early days still impact your day-to-day working now you've made it to this sort of uh leadership position do you do you feel like those early days um yeah impact your your work on a day-to-day basis I feel really privileged that I was able to learn on the job because it's given me more of an understanding for when people may be lessons are learned with practitioners themselves, when we all need to reflect, review and improve. And it's about actually understanding that the practitioners are learning as they go. And it's about having that understanding that has allowed me to empathise with them, but also be able to ensure that the right support's in place and talk to them about their journey and where do they want to go with it, whilst also ensuring that at present, whilst they are in this current role, they're providing the best quality childcare for the children, but also then remembering them as an individual and supporting them through their trainings. They are high quality practitioners to provide that high quality childcare. Yeah, and it's so important, obviously, at the minute that we have conversations about uh, educator well-being really and uh, and ensuring everyone is um yeah happy at work so yeah for us it's really important even when we make decisions about people on a safeguarding perspective we make sure that well-being is taken into consideration as well 
So what would you say are the current challenge and challenges facing the early years? And conversely, are there any positive things happening, would you say? So for me, I think it's a really exciting time for the sector because there is so many new opportunities. So we can look at it as a uh, recruitment crisis or we can look at it as a um, as an exciting opportunity to bring in new people from different backgrounds, different walks of life with different experiences. And I think now more than ever, because of the fact that we are having to change how we recruit to bring people in, we are getting people that maybe you wouldn't have expected to see in a stereotypical nursery setting a few years ago. For example, some settings now individualised roles to make sure that we have um, the right physical support in, in the roles of a, a a sports lead, whereas you maybe wouldn't have seen um, males come into that role before. But now that the role has been tailored a little bit differently, it does sort of, it does advertise and reach out to a broader audience. How do you, how do you sort of manage the side of recruitment? Well, you talked about employing males there, sort of historically, because of low pay, it's been difficult to get, um, frankly, people into the sector who, like you say previously, you might not expect to have worked in the sector. How how do you face that challenge? So for us, it's about looking at what's important to the individual as well. So we really try to make our benefits and incentives of working for Ashbourne Day Nurseries um, quite broad so that they appeal, to, again, to each individual practitioner. We've done a lot of work about how you could stand four of us next to each other. We'll all look different, sound different, and we'll all like different things, but we all share a common goal, and that's for children to have the best opportunities. So it's actually looking at, yes, this might be what we can afford right now with regards to sustainability, but what else can we offer? Can we offer flexible working patterns? Can we offer childcare discount for those um, those mums, dads, or other people that want to try and get back to work after having a child of their own? Um, looking at you know, love to shop discounts, whatever it might be that a setting does put in place as an employee as an employee benefit or discount. Um, we just try to make sure that ours are relevant and what actually we think the employees of Ashford Industries will want to access. Okay, so um when we connected on social media as is often the case these days and um it is generally, I think, regarded as a positive thing in, in the world of education, social media, for sharing ideas and experiences. But there are circumstances where it can lead to problems. What would you say are the positives and negatives in your opinion? So as you said, there are so many benefits to social media as it brings people together, people that maybe you would not have a direct number for, and it gives you a way of reaching out to people. And I think that in itself is so positive. Um, we also want to remember that we don't want to lose the the in-person communication as well, just because social media is there. The, the benefits of a conversation like this, you know, are so important rather than just a written text type of conversation. For me, I think that the sector is so lucky to have social media now to be able to get out all of the good things that we are doing and for the sector to receive some of the recognition that it deserves. We're able to use um, platforms like LinkedIn and many others to share experiences and successes, but also lessons that have been learned. However, the only thing that we have to bear in mind when we move forward to things like LinkedIn and things like that is that 
it's been shared for the right reasons. And we need to ask ourselves, who are we doing it for? Are we sharing this because we want someone else to genuinely benefit from seeing the positive impact that this learning opportunity has had? Or are we doing it because we want to be the most like group on the internet at that time? Are we doing this staff incentive because actually we care about our staff teams and we know that that's something that they deserve? Or are we doing it because it will look great on a recruitment piece and people will think, I want to work there, they do X, Y, Z. So I think it's always important that we remember who are we doing it for and why are we doing it? And I think social media generally is really positive and there's loads of things that I've taken from it and heard people's stories and the lessons that have been learned through things that maybe haven't gone as well in order to put them together with that shared outcome to be able to be able to provide those children the best possible outcomes in not just Ashbourne Day nurseries, but in every nursery, in every group across the sector. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree. I think there's loads of positive things that happen on social media. And we talk a lot at Tapestry about the impact of sort of social CPD, where you are you are learning as an educator through what you are consuming mm. on social media. And so much of that is really powerful and, and, and touches on topics that um, are quite sensitive and things that you might not have felt um easy to access in the past i suppose and 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 people are providing this information for you to for you to learn professionally and i think that can be really powerful but also then i suppose back to that brilliant sort of phrase who are we doing it for you you see some i suppose of the the setups in in some of the uh, environments and it's it's sometimes quite clear i suppose that the the reason for posting those images that hasn't it's not necessarily for for the benefit of the children in in the setting um and some of them are completely unrealistic for for like engagement um genuine engagement and you say i don't know like union jacks from colored rice in tough trays that obviously will only last 30 seconds and in a sort Mm. of typical um nursery setting but yeah, people have spent a lot of time doing that and then shared it on Instagram or whatever it might be. And other people might think, wow, that looks great. We'll do that. And yeah, it doesn't seem to always be um, maybe the best use of educator time. Mm. So I think we need to look at as well how authentic it is being portrayed online as well, because we have different different people at different levels. But the practitioners, I've got one that created a LinkedIn account and they saw these fantastic opportunities and they wanted to replicate these opportunities themselves. And it was about managing their expectation. And was it realistic when this example of opportunity didn't pan out exactly the same was it ever going to because even if it was carried out exactly the same way following the same intentions implementations with the same intended impact different cohort of children they were going to have different outcomes in different settings and carried out by a different practitioner so it's also about managing expectations and ensuring that what we're sharing online is an authentic and accurate representation of actually what we are carrying out on a daily basis yeah, I think something that springs to mind as well around social media, like a few years ago, there was a big push for very natural looking settings and, mm. and going sort of back to basics and trying to eliminate plastic and all the rest of it. And there seems definitely in the last year or two to have been a bit of a pushback there and saying, well, hang on, well, again, sort of who are we doing this for? Yeah, that that setting looks beautiful and 
is very aesthetically pleasing to us as adults and the photos look incredible on social media, but is there anything wrong with the way we were doing it before, you know, in terms of engaging children yeah. in, um, and enhancing learning and all the rest of it, you know? Do you have a way of sort of, do you have anything, any sort of policies around that type of aspect of provision? So we make sure that all of our staff, when they when they attend Ashbourne Day Nurseries at the beginning, they are inducted fully so that they understand our ethos and our vision. And when we do implement something new, we get them on board as well. Because as I said, where we are a bespoke group of settings, it might not work in this setting, but it will work really well in this setting. The natural approach at one of our settings that's based on a farm, easily done. You don't have to change a lot for that to be, um, you know, shining through that that is, that is what happens at that setting. You know, they have access to forest schools, um, allotments, nature gardens. So to run a completely natural approach setting is easily done there. But for another setting that maybe doesn't have the access um, to the outdoors area, like, like the one I first mentioned, is it a realistic expectation to try and implement that type of learning in that setting? So we always actively involve our staffing teams to see what do you think is possible to achieve in this setting? And what do we want our children first and foremost to get out of coming to this setting? And then we piece it on top of that because we know that our cultural capital for each individual child at each individual setting may differ. And it's important that that setting can facilitate that. And that importance is way above how it looks on social media. So we had a staff member that pushed back and said once, um, well, this is a block. If they've never seen a car or a train, how do they know that this block is a train? How are they going to be open-ended with this resource? And the manager said, you're right, because this manager had seen online and been influenced by all of these positive things where they looked fantastically clean and natural and green. Um, but then when we started asking ourselves the question, okay, so how is this going to work? We had to put a lot of thought into, actually, is this a realistic expectation for our staff and teams to be implementing to receive the best possible outcomes for our children? So we always make sure we actively involve them because they're the ones on the shop floor, as I say, that are going to be implementing it. Um, and they need to create, you know, their own intention of, of what they want for their children and what that impact's going to be. So if they're not on board with it, then you've lost it from the get-go. I think it's an appropriate time to sort of, I was going to ask this question a bit later on, but why is such an important word for educators? And I was wondering if you can tell us about why you feel we need to be asking this question more, really. And I think it links to what you were talking about there, really. So I believe that everything you should be doing should have an intention. If we don't know why we're doing it, then does it need to be done? That can go back to the different approaches we use with regards to natural nature nurseries and going green. That can be um, relevant to social media posts. Why have we posted it? And I think if we asked ourselves the question, why more, we would find that a lot of our, our practices potentially are done for the wrong reasons. So, for example, when you ask a staff member, why have you got that out today? They should be able to tell you, they should be able to tell you the intention behind that opportunity, how they plan on implementing that, and their intended impact on it, but also how they would extend it in different directions depending on the child and how they how they led that learning. Now, if a staff member isn't able to answer that why and they just say, 
because I was told to put something on a table or because I didn't know what else to set up. Then you need to ask them the question, well, what impact is that going to have? And it can lead on to a bigger conversation. So I always say to all my staff at any level, ask each other sometimes, why are you doing that? And it doesn't need to come across in a judgmental way or a, I'm undermining you. But it's a, we all need to learn and we all need to be realising that actually if it doesn't have a clear intention and there isn't a purpose, then there's no place for it. So asking each other why means that actually we can ask ourselves, well, actually, do I know why I'm doing this? And if I do, I can share that with other people. Well, I'm getting this out because of, because of this reason for that child and I'm, you know, it's going to have this impact on them. And then you've you've been able to share an idea with someone else. And then you, you're helping each other, you're learning, you become your own Pinterest as such. Yeah, I think it's uh, those professional discussions are so important, but they can feel quite daunting initially. And if especially if one of the leadership team is coming in and saying, Why are you putting this out? And um, and the one that I, I often talk about assessment, and I know it can be quite daunting if maybe especially a manager or a leader comes in and says, tell me about the progress this child has made. And mm. it can seem initially quite sort of terrifying to think, oh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but realistically, these are the, if we can prepare ourselves to be able to answer those those type of questions, it, it can only enhance our sort of professional understanding, I suppose, and, and help us to make better decisions as to 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 the provision and what what's happening every day in in, in the setting and i think they are mm-hmm. like i said it, it it does take time for people to feel comfortable to answer those sort of questions but with practice and with with understanding it does it does come i think as well because sometimes a framework or a piece of text can be so vague can be such a grey area and can quite often be seen as how that individual interpret that piece of text. I think it is important to ask each other why and to say, like, what did that mean to you? You know, they said this or we need this child to be able to achieve this, but what does that mean to you? And ensuring that we all are on the same level of understanding. And I always say to my staff, you shouldn't be scared of an offset inspection. You should be celebrating it because offset are coming to see what you do and why. And this is our chance to tell them about all the exciting things that we do, tell them all about our high quality childcare and why we are the best. And I say to them, you know, if they ask you questions, it's just because they want to get an understanding of what you're doing. It's not to catch you out. And I think the question why can sometimes be seen as such a, a negative. Like, like you need to get on the defence straight away because someone's going to tell you what you're doing isn't needed or not good enough. But we try and put a positive spin on it. And if someone's asking you why, it's because they want to know. They're intrigued by what you're doing. So share that knowledge with them. Yeah, and your point about that shared understanding, I think, is really important, especially when it comes to child development, where you might have maybe some inexperienced educators working alongside um, maybe very experienced nursery nurses who've got heaps and heaps of child development knowledge and sort of that shared understanding of of what progress looks like and milestones that typically developing children might encounter and uh, and also children with learning differences and and how their their progression might not look exactly the same as their peers you know but that experience and shared understanding and again that comes from those professional discussions doesn't it and and, and sharing that knowledge and having discussions and learning from each other and it isn't always the case that the person with loads of experience has the right answer but having those conversations usually helps to to come to um yeah a reasonable conclusion 
so I wanted to talk about some of something very topical is is the term childcare at the minute. And I wanted to get your thoughts on the term, particularly in relation to the government's recent announcements on free childcare. So I think the word childcare and the reason for it being so topical at the minute is because when they refer to this care being free, I think a lot of people within the sector, I've seen it on um, social media and on LinkedIn and other professional platforms, but also on people's individual personal platforms. People are fighting back, some of them, because they don't want to be just seen as childcare, because very much we are early educators. We are early years educators. We are there to deliver the earliest form of education and to support development in our youngest people. So for some people to see it as just child care makes them feel sometimes more like a glorified babysitter or someone that is there just to supervise their children whilst other people go out and earn their money. So a lot of people want to be recognised as an early years educator, as someone that is also delivering learning although it's in the uh, through the form of play they are still there allowing children to play but also to learn and to support them through their development to hit their milestones but also to um allow them to be the person that they that they want to and need to be so a lot of people are pushing back on the term child care and you can see it now even um even with job titles and things like that we are now early years educators or we are childcare practitioners or a lot of people some people come back to nursery nurses um a lot of people are coming away from just being a childcare member of staff um or a carer or something along those lines because they they want it recognized the difference that they are making and the positive things that they are doing and we have so many positives to shout about in the sector but we are the early years sector we are the ones that are embedding the skills and the, the lifelong love of reading and all of those fundamental things that these children need to be able to progress, to be these, these wonderful adults, to be able to achieve economic well-being and provide a positive contribution. So if that starts at the beginning in childcare or in early years, then some people want the recognition for that. I think uh, you've already given us sort of an idea of how you, what your sort of group of nurseries looks like and, and how you sort of aim to, to lead the group. But some comments have been made in relation to the announcements um, from the government about the quality of provision in larger nursery chains. And um, I know that some larger chains seem to be thriving, whereas smaller settings are struggling. How do you ensure that, there is high quality provision across all of your nurseries. So for us at Ashbourne Day Nurseries, one thing that has remained clear from the beginning to where we are now is why we're here and what we want from children and what we want from our families and what they want from us. And having that understanding allows us to all be on the same page and sort of our ethos and our motto doesn't change no matter the size of the nursery. We are here to care, nurture and teach. And that remains the same when we had one nursery, when we had 12 nurseries, when we hit 20. And hopefully when we go forward to hit a few more milestones in the future, 
that isn't going to change. And um, for for us and for myself and the other members of the senior leadership team, it's about making sure that as we grow, we don't forget our core values and our principles. And they're in all of our nurseries and they are in our inductions. And when we take over new acquisitions and we integrate them into the Ashbourne family, yes, there might be things that, as I said, can remain the same and be bespoke, but we have our our shared goals, and that is to provide the children with the best possible outcomes. So we make sure that anybody that joins the group, whether it's a new member of staff, a new child family or a new setting, everybody knows that from the beginning and we won't waver on that. Now, that being said, when we take on new staff to support nurseries, we make sure we've got the right calibre of staff to be able to deliver the right support that the settings need. So we have um, our structure. Our nursery managers are very supportive with senior managers, with um, cluster managers, which is our version of a regional manager, where these support systems are in place to be supporting them to achieve operational success, but also to achieve the highest, highest possible quality um, early years within the provision and we won't accept anything less than that our aim is to provide uh, an outstanding service all of our all of our settings are on a journey and they're all aiming for outstanding we're on a journey to excellence and we won't compromise that and that's clear and if people aren't on that journey with us then we we, we have a conversation with them and we say actually this is what Ashbourne wants for, for our settings this is what, our, what what we want we speak to them about what their vision is and we make sure our visions align so that the children are always at the forefront of every decision made and that the highest quality is provided okay thanks John and you mentioned families quite a bit during that response and it brings us on to the last question really and it's how do you ensure that parents are engaged and support them to understand their children's learning and development? So we view just we view children holistically. So we view them as the individuals that come to our setting, but we're also aware that they have lives outside of nursery, although some of them probably feel <laughs> they're at nursery more than they're at home. Um, for us, it's about getting an understanding of them as an all-round an all-round child so we need to get the perspective of the parent we need to understand their home life but we also need the parent to understand their nursery life and what their child is like at nursery what they enjoy doing so as much as it's important to find out their likes and interests at home it's important that the parents understand their likes and interests at nursery and together with a collaborative approach um we want to support children holistically to move forward now we aim to actively involve our parents by making sure that the parents are aware of what they've done, but also by educating the parents as to what things mean. For example, a parent might hear that they have played with the cars all day, but we make sure that the parents are actively involved and understand that that means that they have been outside and they have used their physical skills or they have been inside using their fine motor skills or they have used their mathematical skills to count the wheels on the car or they have used the car as a stimulus to then talk about their own experiences um you know my family has a car my family doesn't and it's about making sure that the parents and the children are actively involved in their learning so we make sure that definitely since covid communication with parents is is vital and it's so important so that we can put support systems in place for both the child and the family Brilliant. It's been really interesting to talk to you today, Jordan, and find out a bit more about your role and about the group. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much.